65 years ago, the earth beneath the swollen Susquehanna River gave way. Weeks before, coal miners on company orders dug for anthracite coal too close to the riverbed. On January 22, 1959, 69 men escaped the flooded mines and 12 were killed. The incident became known as the Knox Mine Disaster, which ended the already fraught anthracite coal mining industry in the northern field. Now, each January, Anthracite History Month is celebrated. WVIA's Kat Bolas has more. Today is not after Knox. Sunday is always about Knox. We commemorate it, we remember it, we sympathize with the family members. That's Robert Walensky. He's a King's College professor and published author. Walensky has penned books about not only anthracite coal mining, but also history in the Wyoming Valley. Walensky and a small group stood outside the Beloga Funeral Home in Jenkins Township on Sunday. That group included some family members who lost their loved ones in the mines 65 years ago. The funeral home is the former St. Joseph's Church, where many miners worshipped. It's not too far from the site where the river broke through into the mines in Port Griffith. A newspaper article from the day after the disaster described the scene. The Susquehanna River, swollen with ice, left its normal channel and forced its way into the river slope, seemingly dooming the men who were at work in the passageways below. As soon as water was seen entering the mine, runners were sent through, ordering the men to get out as fast as they could. A cold period, followed by a thaw, caused the Susquehanna to swell. And the water went up, and the weight was too much for the, for the illegal mining. The break in the surface created a massive whirlpool just sucking down water into the mines. Bales of hay, loads of dirt, railroad gondolas, and mine cars were all dumped into the hole to stop the water from rushing in. Efforts were fruitless, the article from the Wilkes-Barre Times leader says. Eventually, the mines filled with water as far down as Wilkes-Barre and Nanakoke. And that was pretty much it for mining in the region. Dams were put in place, and the site was filled in with concrete. I mentioned that this point we're at right now is the break-in point. We'd be standing in, in the, the point where it was swirling into the, in the ground. What that's Bill Best. He's helping lead a group through the snow on Sunday to a small memorial in the ground on the riverbank. It marks where the Susquehanna broke through all those years ago. Northeast Pennsylvania is home to the largest, most concentrated anthracite deposit in the world. Walensky says coal mining in the region is a great legacy. And Knox is kind of the crowning uh, event, and it's kind of a tarnished crown, of course, because the Knox disaster was called, caused by corruption. He says the Knox Coal Company was illegally mining underneath the Susquehanna River, past a state-certified stop line. It did not have to happen. He described the mines as a high-rise building. The layers of anthracite, called veins, are the floors, and in between them are layers of rock. The miners were in the Pittston vein, the penthouse of veins. It had 12 feet of solid coal. Which is why they followed illegally under the river. They couldn't resist it. Knox mine leaders claim the incident was an accident. Walensky says they were never convicted of illegal mining. The CEOs, you know, the president, vice president, they all claim they didn't know a thing about it. But that's hard to believe because those companies were so tightly controlled by the bosses. Chris Murley from Underground Miners used a different word, greedy. 
Murley's group rehabilitated and reopened the Brooks Mine for the public. It's at Nayog Park in Scranton. The January 13th and 14th tours were Knox Mine-themed. WVIA News joined along. Okay, I'm going to pass you guys over to Chris here. He's going to explain some, uh, some of the facts about the uh, Knox Mine disaster. We got the general idea, right? The river broke in the mines, mines flooded, mines closed. That was the end of the site in Northern Field, for the most part. It's eerie to be underground, learning about not only what the miners faced that day, but what the job is like. The Brooks Mine is around 13 miles away from Port Griffin. We stood at the depth at which some of the miners were working when the water came spilling in in 1959. So 40 feet of rock cover. That's where we are right here. We're 40 feet underground right here. Murley says anthracite veins are in waves. The back of the Brooks Mine starts to slope up. Similar to what it's doing right here. You see the mine was pretty level and now it's curving and rolling up. The anthracite mines in northeast Pennsylvania are pretty unique in the geology of them. The veins roll and go up and down and turn and they do all kinds of crazy stuff. The reason they got so close is there was a, the, coal, the coal rolled and went straight up towards the river bottom. Coal crunched beneath our feet. Mines are damp to begin with. It's all the groundwater seeping through. The ceiling dripped. Underground miners shut the lights off, leaving us in the darkness that some of the miners faced 65 years ago. Many stories live on from that day, including those about the miners who swam underground until they found a way out. There's the Eagle Shaft story. Pacifico Stella, known as Joe, was a surveyor for the Pennsylvania Coal Company. Knox leased the mine from that company. Stella was working underground that day and had a blueprint of the mines with him. He helped lead 33 men out of the mines through the Eagle air shaft. It was abandoned and basically just a hole in the ground. At times, they waded in water up to their waists, holding their tools above their heads in the dark mines. He was an engineer, obviously, and he had maps, so he just kept trying to find ways out, and I believe they were underground all day because the break-in happened at 7-ish in the morning, and I don't think they got out till 4 in the afternoon, so they were crisscrossing under the river all day. That's his grandson, Mike Borzell. Stella died in 2007. There's a picture of him just after he was helped out of the shaft. Miner's helmet with a circle light on top still on his head. He looks tired and distressed. Someone draped a striped towel over his shoulders. Steve Lukasik, a professional photographer, snapped the moment. It was the Associated Press's photo of the year in 1959. Borzell, now a member of the underground miners group, asked us if he wanted to see his tattoo. On his forearm is the iconic image of his grandfather. Samuel Altieri, John Beloga, Benjamin Boyer, Francis Burns. Reporting from Charles Scranton Federer, in Jenkins Township, Joseph I'm Cap Bolas. Dominic Kavaleski, Frank Orlowski, Eugene Ostrowski, William Sinclair, Daniel Stephanidis, and Herman Zalonis. Dr. Robert Walensky reading the names of the miners who lost their lives in the Knox Mine disaster, January 22nd, 1959, 65 years ago today. Thanks to you, Kat Bolas of WVIA News.